special Sunday. Uh, we have a good friend uh, bringing to, uh, God's word today, Pastor Joel King. I'm really excited to have him out. He's been such a good friend uh, of Current since before we even launched. Um, it's been incredible. It's uh, Trinity Church where he serves is also where uh, Current has its uh, has our HQ, our, our headquarters. So if you've been, ever been over there, this is the church that so graciously opened up their doors, not only to us, but a number of churches. And these guys really have a capital K kingdom-minded uh, ministry thinking beyond just their walls and thinking about how to serve the Lord just collectively. And so we've been very blessed because of that. And we were blessed today to have him bring God's word. Uh, I'm going to read the scripture text here in a moment and then pass things over to him. But before I do that, can we just give a round of applause saying thank you for Pastor Joel? Yeah, he's going to hate me for that. Sorry, not sorry, I guess. (laughs) So if you have a Bible, you can go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 22. Uh, His text is going to be from Proverbs, but this is going to be something that he he draws from. But Matthew 22, verses 1 through uh, 13. If you don't have a Bible, the words will be on the screen. You can follow along there. Jesus spoke to them again in parables, saying, The kingdom of heaven is like a king who prepared a wedding banquet for his son. He sent his servants to those who had been invited to the banquet to tell them to come, but they refused to come. Then he sent some more servants and said, Tell those who have been invited that I have prepared my dinner. My oxen and fattened calf have been butchered, and everything is ready. Come to the wedding banquet. But they paid no attention and went off, one to his field, another to his business. The rest seized his servants, mistreated them, and killed them. The king was enraged. He sent his army and destroyed those murderers and burned their city. Then he said to his servants, the wedding banquet is ready, but those I invited did not deserve to come. So go to the street corners and invite to the banquet anyone you find. So the servants went out into the streets and gathered all the people they could find, the bad as well as the good, and the wedding hall was filled with guests. But when the king came in to see the guests, he noticed a man there who was not wearing wedding clothes. He asked, how did you get in here without wedding clothes, friend? The man was speechless. Then the king told the attendants, tie him hand and foot and throw him outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. This is God's word for us this morning. Well, good morning. It's it's great to be with y'all this morning. And um, I can just tell you... the Lord wanted you to hear this message today. I'm not saying it's going to be a good one, but I do believe he wanted you to hear just out of the, out of the how things happen where I ended up to be able to share uh, with you today. So I want to actually start out <clears throat> with a really easy question. Have you ever had the, one of those moments where you said to yourself, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? Perhaps it was a morning when your head was over the toilet after maybe drinking too much, or maybe it was the pain of a bill after you decided, you know what, I deserve to have my dream car. Maybe it was uh, the relational damage after you uh, decided, you know what, I'm going to finally tell them what I really feel. Perhaps it was uh, the pain at the scale after a delicious food binge. Uh, Maybe a broken bone after using that rickety old chair as a ladder. Uh, maybe that was that fit in the middle of Walmart after you took your toddler out way past their bedtime. It could be the endless black hole of consumer debt we often find ourselves in that swallows up the paycheck every month because we just had to have it right now. 
maybe. It was the marriage that you committed yourself to without thought to the long-term impact of your partner's substance and character. Maybe it was, you know, that moment where you started thinking about retirement not until you're in your late 40s. Or maybe it was trying to lead the elementary school talent show while working full-time, raising three kids, taking care of an ailing mother, and remodeling your kitchen all at the same time. This is easy. We've all had this what was I thinking moments because in the end, we all lack this, this key word, <clears throat> wisdom. Wisdom. Now, the dictionary says that wisdom is the quality of having and experience, knowledge, and good, <clears throat> excuse me, the good judgment, the quality of being wise. Uh, the soundness of an action or decision with regard to the application of experience, knowledge, and good judgment. In other words, wisdom is saying from experience, from knowledge, from good judgment, I'm not going to make those decisions in the first place. Or in the Joel King Dictionary, uh, wisdom is the ability to avoid the what was I thinking moment. That is wisdom. Now, in the, in the scriptures, actually our main text for today, uh, wisdom, um, if you want to develop it, says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom. Now, on one hand, you know, you might, oh, yeah, 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 I've heard that one before. That's true. But I think when we really begin to think about this, it seems a little weird that the beginning of wisdom is starting with fear, especially a God who's supposed to be a God of love. It's what we call a paradox, right? A paradox is an seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigator explained, proves itself to be well-founded and true. So here's a paradox. To know God, which is what our series is about, is to learn to fear the Lord. To know a loving God is to fear that loving God. Now, if that's not a paradox, I don't know what is. Now, as I explain this, we're going to take the long way around. I'm just telling you right up front, we're taking the long way around. Because this passage that comes out of Proverbs um, actually has a larger context to it. And actually, Jesus himself refers to it. So i got to give you the, the background, the cultural background of the parable of the great banquet. Okay, so here's the cultural uh, background. In today, life is so much different than almost, first of all, all over the world, but second of all, definitely most of time. So most of time, we didn't have things like refrigeration. We didn't, we didn't have the conveniences where you could come from long distances and, and show up and, and text and all, that kind of, and all that kind of stuff. So when you had a party, when you're planning on being at the park, on a Wednesday. It wasn't simply I announced it, we sent it, we put it in the bulletin. It wasn't, it didn't work that way. I decided to have a party, and so weeks or days ahead of time, I would either go out, or if I had enough money, I would send others out, and they would let you know we're going to have a party. They'd have to let you know verbally, and they'd let you, have, let you know it ahead of time. And of course, at that point in time, nobody could really say whether they're coming to the party or not, because everyone worked from sunup to sundown. There was no leisure time. That is a modern phenomenon. The, the, the very fact that we're thinking about a three-day weekend, it, it's ridiculous around the world, let alone through time. Free time is just a rare thing. So we let people know, and then the, and usually the day of the party, I would, we'd send out again, or, or somebody in the family would go out and say, hey, the party's happening. 
are you coming? The reason I want to know that you're coming is because there is no refrigeration. So when we, when we have, it's not, it's not like, you know, I plan to have hamburgers for 12 people, 18 show up, I can go to the grocery store, buy six more and come back. That ain't happening. So I have, we, whatever we kill is what we eat that day. There ain't no refrigeration. So I need to know the numbers. So then they come back and they tell us and, and then we prepare accordingly. And then the, then the last one goes out and says, hey, we're having the party. That's culturally what's happened through most of the time. And by the way, a lot of the world still functions that way. I spend uh, uh, usually about a week, almost most years, in Haiti. And Haiti functions a lot like that. It's the only third world country in the Western Hemisphere. And so that's kind of the, that's kind of the background here. When Jesus tells his parable that David read. So the, 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 what happens here is the king, his son is getting married. It's a huge deal. There's, there's rarely anything bigger in a parent's life than their, their kid getting married, let alone a king. So he sends it out, a word out to all the nobles, the people who should be there. And there's three responses. The nobles, the people who should be there basically say, we got nothing to do. Now, remember the context. Jesus tells us right away. This is one of those mysterious parables. He tells us right away, this is about the kingdom of heaven, who's in and who's not. He tells us right up front. Okay? And what he tells us is this first group who just basically says, talk to the hand. When he sends out his servants a second time to go, are you sure? It's going to be one heck of a party. Some of them still ignore him, and some either persecute and even kill the servants. Now, he's really talking about the prophets. But in this story, it's the servants. And it says the king has them destroyed. Translation, they don't end up in the kingdom. And then the king says, man, I've, I've prepared this great banquet, so go out to the street corners and just take anyone. I don't care who they are. I don't care if they're old, I don't care if they're young, I don't care if they're black, I don't care if they're white, I don't care if they're male, I don't care if they're female, I don't care if they're religious, I don't care if they're non-religious. As a matter of fact, it actually says he invites the good and the bad. Invite them so that my wedding banquet is full. And these people enter in. The good, the bad, the ugly. There's even hope for me. But then there's one other person that comes to the banquet. And it says when the king, a lot of times the host would show up last, you know, make an entrance. Things haven't really changed that much. He shows up, he notices that somebody is not wearing wedding clothes. And when he asked him about it, it says that the man was without excuse. Now, in modern day, we might go, oh, well, he probably wasn't wearing clothes because he didn't have any money. Or it says he was without excuse, which means it was probably culturally and this happened a lot when someone had money and they were inviting people who didn't have money. They provided the wedding um, clothes themselves. So when he asked this guy, why aren't you wearing wedding clothes? The guy was like, he had no answer because the clothes were available if, if he had just taken them. What he did is he treated the king's invitation with disdain. And what's the, what's the result of this person? This person says it was cast out into darkness. Translation, they don't enter into the kingdom of heaven. The people who enter the kingdom of heaven, by the way, are the people who didn't deserve to. They have that in common. They weren't on the guest list in the first place. Some were good, some were bad. But they put on the wedding clothes, which, by the way, is the gospel of Jesus Christ that he did for us when we could not do ourselves. It's the, it's, we call it the blood of the Lamb. I know that's kind of a weird image, but that's what pays for sin. It's his death that covers us. 
they enter in. Are you following me? This means yes. This means are you following me? All right, that's important because as we get into Proverbs, which is our main passage, hopefully you'll get to see, oh, there's something more here than I thought. So as we enter into the Proverbs, actually the first part of Proverbs chapters 1 through 9 is actually about wisdom's great banquet. This will be easy to mess for you Gentiles. Sorry to use that word, but that's what the Bible calls you. You're non-Jewish, right? Uh, for someone, especially if you're not uh, familiar with what we call the Hebrew Scriptures, also known as the Old Testament, right? You may not know this, but in the day and age that Jesus taught, they would have, they would have been taught this. They knew that the, the first part of Proverbs had this imagery of this great banquet. And I'll show it to you, all right? Don't take my word for it. Show it to you. And right in the beginning of Proverbs, it gives us the theme, starting in verse 7. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of which means the start, this word beginnings, the start of knowledge, but fools despise wisdom and discipline. And all, by the way, throughout Proverbs, wisdom and understanding are going to be married together. They're basically the same, two sides of the same coin. They're linked together. So you start attaining knowledge and wisdom by developing this fear of the Lord. And then it kind of goes on and explains this. And then picking up, in uh, chapter 1, verse 20, is the first invitation. Here's, get it, here's the first invitation of this banquet. It says, wisdom calls aloud. Now, wisdom is personified. It's made to be a person in the, in the book of Proverbs. Usually a female, by the way, which probably makes sense, right? Anyhow, and so it says that wisdom calls aloud in the street. She raises her voice in the public squares. At the head of the noisy street, she cries out. In the gateway of the city, she makes her speech. In other words, she goes to where the people are, and it's public. It's everybody. How long will you simple ones love your simple ways? How long will you mockers delight in mockery, and fools hate knowledge? So wisdom goes out, and you'll notice that there are three distinct groups of people that she invites. By the way, you really don't want to be part of any of these groups, but we all are in one of these groups. The first is the simple ones. Simple ones just really means people who are immature, they're open to all kinds of enticement. Uh, they haven't, you know, really have good discriminating judgment. You know, they're the people who have those, what was I thinking, moments. A lot of them, more than they should. They're generally naive. They haven't grown in wisdom yet. Then there's the mockers. The mockers are those who just simply scorn, deride, or, or, or imitate, make fun of. They, they boast. They have utter contempt, if you would. For wisdom. And then there's the fools. A fool is someone who acts contrary to what's good for them. We all, we all either are or we know foolish people who keep making the same stupid decision over and over again. Right? They do something. They end up sick after a night of drinking. And you say, you know, you can't drink a you know, half a bottle of vodka in 30 minutes. And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And the next week, what do they do? The same thing. It's like they just can't get it through their head. They're, they're unable to deal with life in a successful, practical way. Things just don't click for them. The simple ones, the mockers, and the fools. That's the first invitation. Then it goes on and kind of unpacks a little bit about wisdom and, and how important she is. And then Proverbs chapter 8, the first five verses, we have our second invitation. It says this, does not wisdom 
call out, does not understanding raise her voice. There's, again, wisdom and understanding. And, and again, we have this thing where there's going out on the heights along the way where the past meets. She takes her stand besides the gates leading to the city. At the entrance, she cries aloud. What does she cry aloud? To you, O men, I call out. I raise my voice to all mankind. So men means men and women because it's to all mankind. You who are simple, gain prudence. You who are foolish, gain understanding. She's calling her to wisdom and understanding, calling everybody to herself. But notice, only two of our three are mentioned, the simple ones and the fools. There's no imitation now for the mockers. The mockers are those that laughed at her. It was, it was like the second invitation, it was like the, I'm sorry, the second time he sent out the servants to those who should have come to the party in Matthew 22. What do they do? They basically said, talk to the hand. They even derided. It's those in the world who, who kind of look at the world and how beautiful and wonderful that it's put together and how balanced it is. And they don't just say, maybe there's God, maybe there's not God. They're just like, there is no God. And even if there's a God, I'd rather live in hell with a party crowd than live in God in some boring place. They mock him. They mock his people. They're not, this invitation is not for them. They're left out, much like Jesus' own story. Then the third invitation in Proverbs chapter 9, it says, wisdom, now notice this is where we get to the party. This is how we know the context. Wisdom has built her house. She has hewn out its seven pillars. In other words, this place is nice. A house with seven pillars is a nice house. This is a mansion. She has prepared her meat, which means that there's rich, mixed her wine. She has also set her table. She has sent out her maids and she calls from the highest point of the city. So there's a third and final invitation to come to the party. It's finally all ready. The food is set out. It says, let all who are simple come in here, she says to those who lack judgment. Come eat my food and drink the wine I have mixed. Leave your simple ways and you will live. Walk in the way of understanding. Wisdom has this wonderful and beautiful banquet that is meticulously put together and makes one last plea, but notice only the simple ones. The fool who is dull and closed-minded, that stubbornly looks at what's in front of them, who is lazy and short-sighted, they are not invited to this party. The fool, by the way, is, is the same uh, person that Jesus is kind of referring to, is the person who says, you know what? I like this church thing. I like this God love thing. But they never step into the clothes that God has for them. They never step into that relationship where it says, Jesus, you are not only my Savior, you are my Lord. I put on your righteousness. I put on your clothes. You changed me because you did for me what I could not do for myself. But those who are in are the simple ones. And again, being simple in itself is not a good thing. There's still the, some are okay, some are really bad. Some have a terrible past. Some have a long list of what was I thinking? And they don't enter in because all of a sudden they deserve it. They enter in because they took the king, they, they listened to his invitation, responded to his invitation, and wore his clothes. They listened to God, his word, they believe in Christ and put on what only Christ can do for them. And they attended the party. They lived their life in honor of the king. And that's what brings us to our main verse. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. 
and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through me, your days will be many and years will be added to your life. If you are wise, your wisdom will reward you. If you are a mocker, you alone will suffer. Now, this word beginning is actually different in the Hebrew than it was in the, begin, in the, in the first sense, where that was, um, it starts here, wisdom starts here. This, is, this is, is the fear of the Lord is the prerequisite for wisdom. In other words, you can't really become a wise person if you don't fear the Lord. Wisdom begins when someone learns to fear the Lord. Knowing the Lord actually begins with fearing the Lord and understanding begins when you understand the knowledge of the Holy Run. The reason is, is God is the one who gives us life and longevity of life. It says that. Now, this isn't a promise. If you follow the Lord, you will live long. However, it is general wisdom, right? If you make better decisions about your health, about, about your wealth, about you will live longer. It's just a, it's a general principle that kind of falls, but there's also an eternal principle. See, the difference here between the simple, the mockers, and the fools, what really differentiates them, by the way, is not how good they are. The simple ones are still idiots, okay? I'm, David and I are still idiots, right? We might get paid to be idiots, but we're still idiots. The difference is, the fear of the Lord. That's the difference. That is the difference, the fear of the Lord. And the understanding that, you know what? Uh, when, I, when I have that opportunity to make some stupid decisions, I've taken the time to listen to those who came before me. There, there are people who were, were, who were addicts. There are people who were bent over the toilet. There are people who, who didn't have enough money for retirement or whatnot. They wrote books or they took me aside at a lunch and they said, don't make this stupid decision like I did. Don't just marry someone because you feel really good and the butterflies and they're so cute. And da, 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 da. Look at, is this, is this a person that if, if when that feeling goes away that you could be committed to for a life? So a wise person listens to those who have gone before that has the longer view. But nobody has a longer view than God. So let me use a simple illustration. It's more complex than this, but it's not at the same time. See, God is, it's God, for you and I, time is right now. The past is gone. The future's ahead. We have no idea. But for God, the past, he's got, he's got one foot at when time begins. He's got another foot at when time ends. He sees it all at the same time. And for you scientists, just let me put it, put it this way. We know when we look up at the stars, we're looking at the past. The light that you see at a star probably left that star 100, 1,000, 10,000, a million years ago, whatever the time is. So technically, if you could be on Earth and the star at the same time, you can see both the past and the present. That's science. That's what God is. Light, he, he's, he's faster than the speed of light, the beginning to the end. So who better to tell you what the end result is going to be than God? No one, nothing, nada. So if you really, if you, if you really want to be wise, you follow the one who's been there, done that, and already knows what's coming. Nothing takes him by surprise. The economy, COVID, nothing. Even my own stupidity doesn't take him by surprise. 
thankfully. Therefore, those who fear and follow God can grow in true wisdom because the future is not a blind occurrence for him. He knows the future, which is why many times he calls people in the scriptures to do things that just make absolutely no sense whatsoever. And then they do it and they find out, oh, my goodness, look at everything that I missed because I listened to a God who made no sense, who really has all the sense, the only one who's sensible. So I want to introduce you to one more paradox. Remember, a paradox is a seemingly absurd or self-contradictory statement or proposition that when investigator explained proves itself to be well-founded and true. You ready? I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, here it is. Those who fear have less to fear. Now that seems like a paradox. Those who fear have less to fear. Let me, let me explain it this way. We all knew those, and maybe you were one of these people uh, when you were going to school. Maybe some of you are still in school, right? We all know those folks who are always worried, right, that they might get an A-, minus, right? And they're always worried that they weren't going to do well on a, on a test. They feared failing. They feared getting a low grade. They feared not getting into the best college. So they studied, studied. We all went out and had a good time, and they're studying right now, Right? Now, when it came to the test and they showed up and they're like, oh, my goodness, I'm worried. Right. What were we all thinking? What are you worried about? You're the only one who don't have to worry. Why? Because all this time you were so fearful. You studied while we went out and we had the hangar over. We didn't you know, study the notes or whatever. They had less to fear because they feared. Well, I don't know. Do you guys do donuts after church? That's good. That's good if you don't do that. We do at our church, right? And there's, and there's, those, of you, and there's those of you who, who are in the good category. I'm in the bad category here that are in the good category that fear the deterioration of the body. And so, you, you know, you put good things in your body. You, you, you know, that whole plate that's half vegetables and, a, you know, a quarter meat and, and then a quarter carbs. You actually follow that, right? Oh, my goodness, you're amazing. But if you do that, right, if we did serve donuts, and it, and it was like, take two today, if anyone could take two donuts, it would be you. I can't even have one anymore. I can't even have one. Why? Because I was a fool. I didn't, I didn't show wisdom in that area. So if anyone who doesn't have to fear eating two donuts, it's the person who feared the deterioration of the body. Right? There's many people right now who are biting their fingernails because they've been saving right, for retirement. And here's the deal. If you were afraid from like in your early 20s about retirement having enough and you started then to save consistently, you know, a small percentage of your salary, you did it faithfully, faithfully, faithfully. And now the economy's, you know, going down and your retirement is less. Guess what? You don't have to fear as much as the person who didn't start until their 40s, who didn't fear, who didn't think about it. Those who fear have less to fear. See, in Jesus' story, it's the people who feared the king. When he gets sent out an invitation, they're like, I ain't going to say no to the king. And then when they showed up, they're like, whatever the king provides, I'm going to wear it. Right? When they say stand, I'm going to stand. When they say sit, I'm going to sit. Whatever the king needs, because I'm just happy to be here. It's those people who fear that when the king shows up, they had nothing to fear. But those, but those noblemen who think, I deserve it. I grew up in the church. I grew up with the religion. 
I'm so smart. I, I'm so, I understand life. Those people have to fear because they don't fear. It's those people who are, who are like, yeah, I'm part of church, but God is love. He'll take me just as I am. It really doesn't matter. There's always time. They have something to fear. Why? Because they didn't fear. So yes, knowing God means to fear the Lord. And fear, by the way, does mean fear. It does mean fear. Any of you parents know that's true, right? Yes, you want your kids to respect you, but at certain points when you say don't run to the road, you want them to fear you more than the road or more than not listening to you. You want them to fear the road. Because you know if they don't fear you, what? They'll laugh and run out of the road. You want them to fear that daddy or mommy's going to do something. Why? Because you love them and protect them. It's healthy fear. It's not terror, which, by the way, those, the, the mockers should be in terror. But the child should have a healthy fear of daddy and mommy. They should know that, that dad and mom loves them. They're not going to lambast them. But on the other hand, there are consequences. And they want to make mommy and daddy proud. And interestingly enough, the kids who have a healthy fear of their parents have less to fear from their parents. How much more? And that's, by the way, good parents, which we don't always have. But we do have a good God. And that is true of our God. Well, those who fear have less to fear. Simply put, wisdom, the fear of the Lord, leads to the banquet. It leads to the banquet. And, 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 and I'm talking about the great banquet of the kingdom of God. And there'll be many others who, who at that, when that moment is revealed, will go, what was I thinking? What was I thinking? What, and, and, and just like that person, when, it said, when, the, when the king said, why did you show up this way? He said he had no answer. He, there was, he couldn't even come up with anything. We're so smart. But let me tell you, when you stand before God and he reveals... He puts laid out bare, not just what you do, every motive he lays out. Not only every motive, by the way, but every opportunity you had to not just choose something bad, but to choose something better. Maybe you didn't choose the, the bad thing, but maybe you just didn't choose the good thing or the great thing, the best thing. All that's laid out. And then his free invitation to do for you what you did not, could not do yourself, that you rejected. What is there to say? Yes, God is love. But if you want to know him and draw to him, fear him. Healthy fear. Healthy fear. He holds eternity in his hand. He holds your future in his hand. Believe it or not, he holds the key to an abundant life now in his hand. And I'm not, by the way, talking about a promise of the American dream. Matter of fact, he may turn your world upside down. He may make you into a Mother Teresa where you completely give up the American dream, pour your life out for somebody else. Does anyone here really think Mother Teresa wasted her life? No. No. It's because she had a healthy fear of the Lord. Now, some other people, God has a, have a healthy fear, and he has a different path for them. Somebody had to support her ministry. There's a lot of folks that were that were did very very well in this life, but made sure that God's kingdom and His priorities were were the priority and gave to that. What they have in common isn't necessarily what was happening in life. What they have in their common is a healthy fear of the Lord. They knew God, not of God, not about God. They knew Him. 
And to know God is to know the fear of the Lord. And if you fear the Lord, you don't really have anything to fear. That's something we're thinking on. Pray with me. Father God, in your word, I think it's Proverbs that says, where there's many words, there's much folly. So I apologize, dear God, if there was many words and I led anyone to folly. I pray, dear Lord, that those things that are of your word, of your wisdom, may arise in each person's heart and may find good soil to give forth good fruit. Dear Lord, I just confess I am simple-minded, Lord. And apart from your grace, I probably would be inclined to be a mock, mocker and definitely a fool. And so I come among other simple-minded folks and say, Lord, by your grace, would you please keep us from mockery and foolishness? And would you save us from ourselves, from our own simple-mindedness? Bring us into your great banquet. Bring us into your kingdom, dear Lord. Do in us and through us what we cannot do ourselves, dear Father. And thank you that Jesus provides the wedding clothes, that Jesus provides the righteousness, that Jesus provides the well done, good and faithful servant. We take your much and pray, dear God, that you help us do our little, that we may all be at that great banquet, the marriage feast of the Lamb, as we celebrate Jesus and what he did for us, and celebrate the fact that we have been invited into the kingdom. In the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior, who is the Christ, I pray. Amen.